What is the thing that's going to keep you moving forward? Because this is entrepreneurship. And when you have failures and you have something that happens bad every day, something is always going wrong and something is always going right, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Welcome to the Social Marketing Hour. My name is Jimmy, and I'm the Associate Creative Director for Manuel Suarez here at AGM. Hit subscribe to get exclusive interviews with Manuel and special guests each week on the Social Marketing Hour. This week's episode title is Ecom Business Growth and Life Advice with Ezra Firestone. Wow, Ezra Firestone, the founder of Smart Marketer and Zipify, joined us on the Social Marketing Hour and unleashed massive pieces of business and life wisdom. What we thought would be just a valuable conversation about ecom strategies and growth turned into something so much bigger. We heard why Ezra believes it's actually easier to succeed in ecom today, why he says to give yourself three to seven years to judge success, and how you can build generational wealth. Oh yeah, and we heard about strategies and tools to grow your e-com business too. This is one of the best interviews yet. I suggest you get ready to take notes. Enjoy. All right, so we are now officially live on the Social Marketing Hour, Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. And today we got a great, great, very, very value-packed interview with the one and only Ezra Firestone. So you guys want to get ready for this one. We're going to be making a lot of uh, valuable points. Uh, there's a lot of success that Ezra had in 2020 with e-commerce brands. Uh, I don't think I need to intro Ezra a lot, but Ezra has been a legendary marketer for a very long time, way longer than me. I remember back in the day when I was dreaming about building a business and maybe building a better quality of life. He was already teaching me, teaching all of us, and he's been doing this for a very, very long time. So I'm super happy to have Ezra on today's show. And I'm going to be sharing the screen with him in one second. And we're going to get straight to it because we got a lot to cover. So uh, Ezra, we can now see you. And uh, thanks for being on the show, man. I'm super pumped about you being here with us today. And uh, I'll let you introduce yourself to our audience. We, we're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. We're all over the place right now, man. The Social Marketing Hour with Manuel Suarez. Hey, man. And Ezra Firestone. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, I'm just some guy, okay? I'm on your show. This is your party. Look at your fancy background. I'm sitting here in a T-shirt in Hawaii. I barely got a camera that works well enough. So, um, yeah, man, I'm happy to be here. I'm, uh, I, I'm an e-commerce business owner, and uh, I also talk about e-commerce businesses, um, and I make software for e-commerce business owners. Um, I've been uh, selling products online since uh, 2005. I was America's number one mullet wig elvis wig afro wig retailer in uh on the internet back in 08 09 2010 so i've been around a while been doing it a while and uh, i like it i love that man i love that so i know you have a uh, you've been doing this for quite a while now I, I heard you the other day on clubhouse talking about your your beginnings was somewhere around the early 2000s man or since when you've been doing e-commerce so I started um, on Commission Junction, which was an affiliate network back in the day, uh, selling cheese on Google AdWords. That was like 2004 era. Um, and I ended up getting, long story short, I got into e-commerce um, in 05. And I've been, I've been running e-commerce stores since then. Uh, so I have never stopped. And, uh, you know, it, it's a combination of luck, right? I got right place, right time. I, I, I discovered internet marketing and I discovered... Um, search engine optimization and pay-per-click advertising all the way back in 05. And I was smart enough to realize, holy shit, this is something. And this was before the iPhone. So there were not a lot of people buying online, but I knew I was like, wait a minute, you can go onto the computer. 
and you can put your credit card in and you can buy something. I got really good at it. So it's not, it's not just that I was in the right place at the right time. It's also, I worked my ass off for 15 years and, you know, it took me seven or eight years to find real success. Uh, and I think that's a problem in today's entrepreneurial world for the people who are getting in. They want, they want results quickly. Right. And it's like, you know what? That's not a good strategy. Don't, don't you want to build something uh, of substance that will last a lifetime? Well, if so, you got to give yourself time and energy and space to uh, build something of real value. So I think you got to give yourself three to five years with a venture uh, before you can really judge whether or not it's going to be successful. Most people, they kind of judge their um, success or progress with a particular venture at like month 12. And it's like, yes, yeah, not enough time. Yeah, and they quit maybe two months into it or three months into it. It, it happens to me a lot on the agency, uh, Ezra, that they come in uh, and they say, okay, I'm ready to commit uh, long term and just uh, let's build a social media roadmap and let's go. And three months into it, they're like, wait a second, I invested a dollar and I got two dollars back. This is not good enough. And uh, I, I don't think it's going to be working long term. And that that's the number one thing that I see people uh, fail at is just that patience. Uh, a lot of us uh, have gotten lucky. Uh, you started before this whole wave was really occurring. I started in the middle of the wave. Uh, I got started with Amazon. Uh, Amazon was exploding with Amazon sellers. Uh, it was taking off and it was becoming so mainstream. And uh, this is a, the era in which uh, people were buying on Amazon every day, but everybody thought they were buying from Amazon. They didn't know it was from people like us in our kitchens. And I was a part of that wave and I took advantage of that wave. You were doing this even before that wave was happening. So it's been easy to, to an extent uh, for a lot of us that we just got positioned on this particular wave and we've been able to ride it. So maybe we, we have been able to take some time out of the equation that generally it would take to build a business. But that's something that uh, it's a good point, that's right. We can talk about the subject of patience. We can probably have a whole seminar on that subject because it's such a an important quality that you need to have if you want to succeed in this environment. Would you say so? Yeah, and I think that like, you know, even though I got started at a time when it was much easier than it is now, although that's arguable, I, I would argue that it's always the same level of difficulty personally, and I'll explain why, but it still took me seven years to get to become successful. So I mean, that it's like, no matter when you start, you have to do the same shit. You got to figure out something good to sell that people are going to actually like. You got to figure out how to market that thing. And then you got to figure out how to support the customers who buy from you. If you can figure those three things out, you're going to be successful regardless of whether you started 10 years ago or you're starting right now. And arguably it's easier now because there's technology like Shopify that makes it easy. There's technology like Zipify that makes it easy. There's Facebook ads and Google ads and Instagram ads and Twitter ads and Snapchat ads and LinkedIn ads and Pinterest ads and TikTok ads. There wasn't all that. Like it's arguably it's actually easier today. And oh, and by the way, you know, 30% of everything bought is bought on the internet compared to 4% when I got started. So I would argue that actually people starting today have it much easier than you and I did back then. We had oh, less wow. competition, right? but we had to learn a whole lot more and do a whole lot more to build our infrastructure. Yeah, you didn't have tools, software, platforms, all these things that you mentioned. I, I cannot, we take it for granted every day. The ability that we have right now to not have to hire somebody in India and pay $25,000 to build a website. 
but that we can actually go ahead and create our own Shopify site in no time. We will talk about, for those of you guys, those of you guys here listening in um, on any of the platforms, we'll talk about some more about this process for all the interview. Uh, Zipify is uh, uh, an incredible software that Ezra uh, built that I use in this, uh, on this company or my organization. We use it every day on our, on our brands that we manage. So we'll get to talk about that some more, but these are things that we only dreamed about having uh, way back when, and we take for granted, and it's about, it's about leveraging these platforms. So seven years, that's right, took you to become successful uh, and make it profitable. I mean, I, I don't know how many people have seven years of patience, right? But uh, you did say that it, you believe that it's easier, uh, that, um, can you, can you expound on that point that you said right now that you believe that uh, it's always the same level of difficulty for all time? Because, you know, people look at platforms right now and they say, Amazon, oh my God, it's crowded. It's very difficult to penetrate. And they look at e-commerce. Oh, there's so many brands out there. It's so competitive right now. And there's 1.7 billion beauty brands already. And I like, what, why would you say that it, this, the same level of difficulties are always present? Tell me your thoughts on that. Every day that you're alive, somebody is starting a brand. And every month, one of those brands is becoming successful. It's not any harder now than it was before. It's the same level of difficulty. You know why people fail? They give up. They don't invest enough. They're worried about what they're going to get out of the business, not what they can put into it. They've got a shitty mental attitude. They're showing up with a positive attitude. They feel entitled. They're not humble. They're not asking the right questions. They're not asking for help. They, you know what I mean? It's like your mindset as it relates to business is what's going to dictate your success. Hey, you know, the circumstance, the market. Sure, all that stuff is relevant, but it's like people are starting successful businesses. You could be one of them. People are scaling their brands. You could be one of them. It's not any more, it's easier now. There are more people shopping. There are more ways to generate visibility. There are easier ways to build the technology stack. There are more ways to source product. It is not any hard. It, it is easier now to start a brand than it has ever been. And there's more opportunity now than there's ever been. And all you have to do is get good at storytelling, product development organization, advertising, sales funnels, like you've got to be willing to do what it takes to either hire the right help or acquire the skill sets yourself. That's never been easy. It's always been the same level of difficulty to learn that stuff. You were learning something a little different 10 years ago. Now you're learning something that's, you know, back, back when you got started, you were learning how to white label a product and get your Amazon listing live and run seller central ads and give products away for reviews and set up email lists. You were learning that shit. Now people are learning a different set of skills that is along the same line. Like it's not any different than it's ever been. And this whole idea that it's, oh, it's complicated and, and, and it's too, you know, there's too many competitors. Like, okay, you were not cut out for this. If this is your attitude already, don't do this because you have to be a crazy person to want to be an entrepreneur. The risk profile is fucking insane. So you've got to like, Hey, there's something to stability. There's something to having a job. There's something to knowing that you can show up and work nine to five and at, at 5 PM, go home and not have to think about your work anymore and collect a paycheck and get a 401k. Like that's, a, that's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. That is a righteous way to approach making money, a righteous way to approach uh, work-life balance, a righteous way to, it's a, that's righteous, man. On the other hand, if you're interested in creating something, if you've got a burning desire to grow and create and make something in the world and create wealth and, and you know, manage your own time. And if you, if you got that thing that entrepreneurs have, that's going to come with a full spectrum of emotions, which is uh, instability. 
and risk and failure and agitation and all this shit that comes up every day when you're trying when you're the end of the line you are responsible for all of it you're responsible for it all working you're you're at the end of the line of all that pressure if you hire somebody they're counting on you to pay them it's like that level of intensity is not for everyone and that's okay and it shouldn't be and it's like if you're not up for that don't fucking do this and if your attitude is Oh, it's too hard. And you've only been doing it for three months. It's like, you are not cut out for this. And that's okay. I'm not saying that in a, I literally am genuinely not saying that with negative judgment. I'm just saying like, it takes a resilient person to want to play this game. And it takes a person who's up for a level of intensity of fear, of anxiety, of pressure, but it's also, you got to risk it for the biscuit. And on the other flip side of that is if it works, you get all the upside. You get all the downside if it doesn't. You get all the intensity when things aren't working out because the little secret about entrepreneurship is things are always going wrong and things are always going right. It's like you got both, you got a dichotomy, you got a duality happening at all times. And so I don't know what I'm talking about anymore other no, no, than it, this idea that it's harder now is not accurate. Right, it's uh, it's 100% a fact. So any of you guys that are there um, wondering if entrepreneurship is right for you, literally just... Go back to this video about the last three or four minutes and listen to Ezra's bullet points that describe the failure and the possible failure in this particular world because it really is a fact. One thing that I'll add to whatever Ezra just said right now in regards to difficulties of entrepreneurship, for me, I wouldn't have it any other way, uh, especially once I'm on, I'm on this road, uh, we don't go back. And I know, Ezra, you can probably agree with that. Once you're on the road of entrepreneurship and you're, you've had successes and you've had failures because it, it would be such a lie that somebody tells you that they never failed in entrepreneurship. I, I can tell you myself, when I got on this roadmap, I, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I just turned 40 a week ago. When I started on this roadmap, uh, the first, yeah, I'm an old man now, right? Uh, three decades of life. I didn't, you're middle aged. I'm middle aged right now. I was telling my wife the other day, I was like, is this a midlife crisis, baby? Is that what I'm going for right now? Officially? Cause you know, what am I going to do? What's the goal? And what's happening? I don't know. Have I accomplished enough or whatever? Like I can tell you myself. The first 30 years of my life, I did not succeed at much of anything except maybe playing tennis, which I was really good at. Other than that, it was failure after failure. I didn't have any dreams and goals. I didn't really aspire for much of anything. I maybe hoped that one day a family member would would pass away and leave me a fortune. I did not have any desires. And then suddenly something woke up. And I think it all started with 2008 economy collapsing and then me having to figure out, wait a second, I have children that I have to take care of and Okay, let's go. Let's survive. But when I look at that, that process, uh, the last 10 years of my life, once that switch turned on, it, there's no off. There's no more. And I've had a ton of failures, a ton of difficulties, a ton of issues, a ton of like problems and a ton of like very threatening things to the survival of our businesses and things going on. And that's all part and parcel. But I still would never ever for the rest of the life in this body, whatever is still doing this. And, and that's my take on it. So if any of you guys are watching this, um, and you guys, are thinking about really building your brand and going for the e-commerce world and trying to create a similar roadmap to what Ezra has built, to what I have built, which again comes from nothing. We don't have necessarily like degrees explaining that we're supposed to be doing successful things here. That's not the way it is. But I can tell you that my number one advice, additionally to what Ezra said and what it really takes to be an entrepreneur is that you guys 
work under somebody first. Would you agree to that, Ezra? Like I say, if you don't know, uh, aside from being like, okay, you know what? Just go and do a safe, steady, secure job and get a paycheck and be okay because that, that doesn't really have any risk. You can literally, your biggest risk is losing your job and going out there and getting another one, right? And maybe you have to live on unemployment for a couple of weeks, which the government will help you. That's your biggest risk. In our case, I have 79 people that are going to be out of a job. Um, so many things that are built and it's a much bigger risk than I have. But my advice to people that they're thinking, I don't think I have what it takes for entrepreneurship. I want to do it at some point, but I don't have the courage, the guts, the patience, the resilience. I don't have any of these things. Well, maybe your roadmap begins with finding an opportunity in an organization in which you get to discover whether you will have that long term so you can actually create something for yourself in the future. Would you say that that's another route? I think that's a really wonderful route. And you know, one way to think about it is, Let's imagine that you take a job um, as a customer support person at a software as a service company, for example, and you learn about you know e-commerce technology and advertising and copywriting and direct response. And you say, oh, I'm interested in advertising. And then you go take a bunch of courses on advertising and you learn how to do it and you do it for free for a couple of friends. Well, one form of entrepreneurship is being a service provider saying, hey, I'm going to trade my time for money. But I'm not going to do it where I'm working for somebody else. I'm going to do it where I go get a client and I support them and I do it on my own time and I charge them 200 bucks an hour or I charge them per project basis. Like that's a form of entrepreneurship in that you're taking control of your life. You're choosing when to spend your time working and you're doing something of your own. You don't have to own a business to be an entrepreneur. And by the way, you can be an entrepreneur within an organization. Entrepreneurs find problems and solve them. You can have an entrepreneurial venture and spirit within an organization. You can say, I'm taking over this department. Here's the issues I see. Let's solve them. Like you can, you can play the game of entrepreneurship from any level. And I think it's a great idea. Uh, I tell all entrepreneurs, have a side hustle that pays for your bills. Don't have to have your venture support you because then it's not free because then there's pressure on it and there's scarcity on it. And you don't have the freedom to reinvest everything back into it. Like, Keep a side job 20 hours a week that pays your bills and let your venture have the freedom of no pressure to support you. Much better strategy than quitting everything and just trying to do putting all the pressure on the venture, I think, from a you know, balance standpoint. And then one thing I'll, else I'll say is like this idea that, oh, one day you make it and now – and you just touched on this. One day you make it and now you don't have the stress and pressure of entrepreneurship. No. As you grow, the pressure gets bigger because – your overhead, you know, your salary overhead, your insurance overhead, your advertising overhead, your inventory, the overhead, your lifestyle tends to grow with how much money you make. Hey, maybe when you weren't making any money, you and your wife are living on 75 grand a year. But now that you're making a million bucks a year, you guys live on 200K a year, you know, because you're buying fancier stuff and you're shopping more and you're taking trips and you're, you know, put the kid in private school, like your, your, your overhead grows. And so as your overhead grows, you have to continue to produce at the same level or higher to keep that. So, so it's like the pressure stays and the pressure is a beautiful thing because it motivates you. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you can't secure yourself and set up a 401k and put money away for savings and invest, you know, own your home outright and pay your mortgage off and invest in real estate and invest in stocks. And it doesn't mean you can't have a, you know, financial liquidity and financial security such that if everything did melt down, you were okay, but it, but this idea that hey, one day entrepreneurship isn't an intense game to play is not accurate. 
Absolutely. It, it, and when you focus on, do, on, the, on doing it like that, having a combination of having your work that pays for your bills and creating on your future, that takes away all the stress and you can continue creating on it because it is important as an entrepreneur, your mind needs to be open for creativity and just move forward. Anyways, uh, a quick little reset over here. If you guys are joining on Facebook and YouTube, thank you for joining. We're talking, we're going to be talking about e-commerce strategy for the next 40 minutes or so, and we're with Ezra Firestone over here. If you guys can help us and share and spread the word about this particular event, we'll help you and your people that you bring in get more value from the e-commerce strategies going on right now. Something that I want to tell you, uh, Ezra, right now, um, that we we obviously, uh, you have seen what I've been doing over the last couple of years, especially because I, I get to promote your products quite a bit and what you're doing. But my story begins with this particular example. Uh, that you were talking about on somebody having a job so they can pay for their bills while they create on their future. That's exactly what I did. Uh, I go back maybe, I remember around 2014, Ezra, almost seven years ago, you were already like a content machine. And I used to uh, just dream at that point. I got nothing, right? I literally, I was bankrupt. I was broke. I had three children. I didn't know what to do. I got no career. I just had dreams and I wanted to conquer the world. And it was already 2014. So Amazon was an opportunity. I was learning e-commerce. I was studying. I got introduced to you somehow from the Amazon world. And then I started listening to a podcast. So something that so, as, as uh, influencers, content creators that you and I are, sometimes we forget uh, or I guess we don't realize the effects that we have on people and life-changing effects that you have on people that literally alter their destiny, their future, and all of it. We don't even realize it. I remember crystal clear as if it was yesterday, me taking my kids to school, broke as a joke, just dreaming, listening to you and James Franco on the podcast. What was the name of that podcast? You remember? Think, act, get. Think, act, get. I used to listen to your podcast almost every day and get a lot of ideas and, and think about what am I going to do? How am I going to apply that? And again, those things, I mean, you were, obviously I learned a lot from people that you know. Ben Cummins is a really good friend of mine uh, over the years, Jason Flatland and so on. But you were there on that beginning journey in which I was trying to discover what is my route, uh, obviously along the way. I built a lot of success and I got a lot of stories and that led me to start talking about it and doing webinars and seminars and all these things. But there are some beginnings for any of you guys that are thinking like in, in 2020, this kid right here that had nothing seven years ago, my brands uh, that I managed over here at AGM Marketing, we did close to a hundred million dollars in revenue. Uh, and uh, we've been able to do um, in the world of ManyChat, um, I was given the award of like what they call the top performing agency in 2020. All these things started with just a dream. So just six or seven years ago, I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep a job. I had a nine to five. I was paying the bills and I created six to 12 o'clock. 6 to 1 a.m., uh, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., I created on what am I going to do? And what I did, uh, which is a story that a lot of people don't know, is that I had a partner and uh, uh, that was not is a partner now, but he was a friend at that point that we used to work together. And we, there, there was all this talk about private labeling um, uh, products. So I said, okay, what can I do? I have no money and I got no inventory and I got to figure something out because I have a dream. 
Uh, so he was selling bed sheets on the road and he was doing these bed sheets consignment. So he was getting these bed sheets by consignment. They were called Clara Clark bed sheets and he was sell them on the, on the, on the roads, uh, for 20 bucks and he would make $9 every single time that he would sell one. So I said, perfect. No inventory costs. No money down. Let's go. I just created a Seller Central account. It cost me $40 to create it. And I grabbed these products. We went to our computer. We created our own label. We called it Cozy House Collection, C-O-S-Y. We took away the Clara Clark label. We put our own label. And nine months later, we're already buying inventory. 12 months later, we're already doing a million dollars uh, in sales. And 18 months later, that company already had crossed their first $6 million in sales. From the kitchen, Two employees, uh, literally just us creating on our own. And that's one of these opportunities that you can capture along the way that are always available. I always say, Ezra, that it's not about figuring out opportunities or creating one. It's actually about writing these opportunities and spotting them and just jumping on top of them. People tell me, does it really, does it take money to make money? And I, this is a big saying out there. And I'm like, no, it really does take all the things that Ezra talks about. Persistent patience, resilience, dedication, passion, energy, strength, intellectual property. If you have those things, you can find opportunities out there. Would you say that, um, this is something that they can still. You don't need me on that show, bro. You don't need me on this show. You got this. <laughs> all right. No, well, I do need you for a lot of stuff, uh, uh, stuff, Ezra. So I think we should jump into it. I wanted to tell you that story because, uh, we don't get a chance to no, talk. It's a beautiful story i really loved it i think it's awesome and you know i'm i'm glad that you got value from think act get think act get was a the the, the premise behind it was what you think determines how you act and how you act determines what you get and so if we can change the way people are thinking about their world we can change what they get from their world and the whole show was about mindset behavior and results it was not about tactics or strategies and um I've often thought I should pick that back up because it was a really popular show. People loved it. And I, I was going to go back and audit some of the episodes and maybe kind of re-release re updates on them based on what I think, you know, I, I recorded that in 2013, 2014, 2015. Now it's 2021. It's been six years since I recorded an episode for that. So uh, yeah, I love that you got value from it and enjoyed it. And I think, um, you know, I always say I don't do anything for people. People do things for themselves. I am a... Um, I am a sort of um, mirror for you. I tell you what's going on in my world. I tell you what I think. You look at that and your reflection of yourself shines back and you say, shit, I want to change my behavior. I want to change what I think or fuck man, I want to get out there and do something. And then you of your own volition do what it takes to have what you have in your life. So I'm glad that you can assign the power to me and the authorship to me to be a mirror for yourself. But like, I didn't do anything for you. All I did was tell you what was going on with me. And then that inspired you to look at yourself and take action. So I think if anything, you should pat yourself on the back for being willing to listen and be open and ask for help. And like, that's what it takes, right? It takes you yourself identifying what you want and going for it. And nobody can help you with that, unfortunately. Right. You got to inspire yourself and then you get inspired by other people. That's just the way it works. Uh, okay, Israel. So I think that's... Uh... Uh, it's going to lead into our next subject, which we want to talk about strategies. And I know you've had a lot of success recently with your uh, brand, Boom by Cindy. And I, I want to talk about uh, strategies that can help a lot of these guys. I can tell you that uh, our audience, people that are here right now tuning in, there's a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs, but there's also a lot of Amazon sellers. And one of the things that are 
that I'm seeing a lot right now is that a lot of Amazon sellers are trying to control their own destiny and they're trying to build their own e-commerce so they can actually have these relationships that not are not controlled by Amazon. So if, if, if you are just uh, giving these people advice on how to get started, because you, you said seven years. So when somebody says seven years, they do get scared. Uh, I, even though you and I understand what that process looks like, but I should, you, I should clarify that. Yeah, go ahead and do it. Clarify. Seven that. years until I made my first million dollar year in business and revenue. So I was making money in my businesses after year one. Maybe it wasn't a lot, you know, by year three, my businesses were doing a couple hundred grand a year. And it took me from year three to seven to get my first million dollar year in revenue. So, so it's not that I was completely failing. Now, along the way, I'd had failures. I'd, I'd had near bankruptcies. I, I didn't pay my taxes. I got emotionally attached to projects and didn't shut them down when they clearly weren't working. I had, I had to learn, I had all the lessons you have a failed business partnerships, uh, you know, work life balance, not, not paying attention to that. Like I did all the, I made all the mistakes that entrepreneurs make in general when they're starting out. Um, but I didn't really hit my stride and understand what I was doing and understand delegation and scale and sales funnels and advertising and copywriting and technology infrastructure and financial responsibility and profit loss statements and, you know, work life balance. I didn't understand what I was doing until year seven. So that's my point is I don't care if you make money or not. What I care is like, think about it like this, man, you're a tennis player, right? How long did you play tennis? My whole life since I was six years old. Okay. By the time you were 15 or 16, you probably kind of knew what you were doing. You were in a groove. You, you understood the dynamics of tennis. You understood how to, uh, you know, manage your energy throughout multiple matches. You understood, um, you know, how to, how to move to where the ball was going. You understood how to, um, be gentle on your knees and how to not use your elbow. Like you understood the game, but it probably took you 10 years to really get to that true sort of mastery level of get of really getting what you were doing on a high level. Is that an accurate? A hundred percent. I just realized something in, in the way you describe it. Uh, it's, it's very simple for all of you guys to understand. Basically, Ezra is saying that the process of building a business, becoming an entrepreneur, it's like in itself, a process of improving yourself. It's a career. You're making yourself stronger and better every step of the way. As you go along and you have a failure, you come back with more experience and then you attack the subject in a new unit of time and now you have better results because you had experience because you failed at it i don't see uh, and that's the beauty of like having mentors or people teach you or you following Ezra and listening to me and what we do because we talk uh based on what we walk right so if we walk and we implement things and we see failure on it we come back and we tell you look that didn't really work and this worked so you get to save a lot of time we call that also cutting the line. And, and that's what you want to do. You want to make yourself better. And just like Jordan and uh, these athletes and all these guys get better with practice, uh, entrepreneurship is no different. That's something that I realized. You get better with time. You get more seasoned as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a creative mind overall. Is that what you try to say, this right? That's right. Exactly. You, 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 you get more efficient and effective over time and you understand how to play the game better over time. And you understand how to rehab your mind, body, and soul so that you can show up more effectively. And that takes five to 10 years to get. So if you're not willing to commit that amount of time, don't do this. Right. Awesome. Okay, doesn't, mean you're not gonna make money. doesn't mean you're not going to make money, right? right. First, it's, I'm talking about 
true success. It's going to take you a while. 100%. And, and I've seen, by the way, just a little side note on this subject. I, there's, a, there's a really hot market right now of people buying and selling Amazon accounts. Have you heard about that, Ezra? No, tell me about it. There's about 95% of Amazon sellers that get excited about it, about the opportunity, and they maybe invest in some inventory and they make a lot of wrong decisions. For example, they look at inventory and they have $10,000 in savings to invest on their brand and they don't really understand business. So instead of setting some money aside for marketing, for um, hiring some help, uh, for whatever you really need to get a business going, they invested $10,000 in inventory because they expected Amazon to give them free traffic. So there's a lot of people that made mistakes like that and they open up their accounts and they send the inventory and the inventory starts perishing on Amazon and gathering dust. And then Amazon threatens them with... Uh, long storage, long-term storage inventory fees, and they have to close down the business. So uh, there's a big market right now. I actually know some people that are doing this, that because Amazon, uh, it makes it a little bit harder every day because of the amount of people trying to sell on the platform, that they, when you create a new account, it can take up to two or three months or maybe even more to get approval, specifically to sell on very crowded markets, like for example, beauty. So there's a lot of people buying and selling Amazon Seller Central accounts because they're trying to skip that line. The point is that the numbers have shown that just to the last few minutes that we talked about the subject, over 90%, 95% of people that invest on Amazon training and open up accounts and start, start, start to get the e-commerce brand built, they fail at it. And if you want to understand why they failed, just listen to our interview today with Ezra and you're going to understand one of these elements that we have gone over is out. As simple as that. It's not that your products weren't good. It's not that they weren't valuable. It's not that your brand is not attractive or appealing or whatever. It's just one of these elements was out. As simple as that. So there's a lot of that going on right now. And you just got to figure out that what is the thing that's going to keep you moving forward? Because this is entrepreneurship. And when you have failures and you have something that happens bad every day, like Eric said, something is always going wrong and someone, something is always going right, especially if you're an entrepreneur. All right. So I want to, I want to move on to the subject uh, of strategy on e-commerce, Ezra, because I know that's a lot of people that are here are here because they want to hear from you in regards to what's working today. So let's say somebody wants to get started with a Shopify site and they have an e-commerce brand already, they have good products and they want to understand that because I know that I teach them about social media marketing strategies. I don't teach them as much of the other side of uh, the equation, which is the branding and the positioning and the funnels and all those things that you have been diving uh, very deeply into for the last couple of years. So what would you say is the process for getting started in this environment? So is this for an Amazon business owner? Well, let's say we we do have uh, a lot of, uh, I will tell you that uh, the audience over here is a lot of Amazon sellers that want to understand e-commerce. They want to transition over there. And we also have a lot of uh, brick and mortar um, uh, owners that have products that they want to learn how to penetrate uh, e-commerce themselves. Okay. So I actually t- taught a course for amazing.com. It's called the Beyond FBA Mentorship. And we actually are running a promo- uh, special discount on it. And basically what it does is it teaches you how to transition from Amazon to Shopify. So you have to understand if you're an Amazon-only brand, and you're making money on Amazon. The first thing to ask yourself is, can I make more money on Amazon? Can I launch new products? Can I run more ads? Can I, you know, um, go deeper with what I'm already doing? If the answer is yes, do that. 
don't divert your energy uh, because you have something that's working. So do more of what's working. Second is you've acquired the skill set of being successful on Amazon, of running Seller Central ads, of optimizing your listing, of whatever else, AMG Media Group, of reviews, of you know whatever. So the question to ask yourself is, do I have the surplus time and energy to take 20% of my revenue from my business and 20% of my time and invest it in learning a new skill set? Because on Shopify, you know, Amazon is your platform and your traffic source, right? It's both. It's where you sell and also where you get customers. On Shopify, you got to build the platform, which is actually multiple pieces of technology. It's Shopify, it's Facebook ads, it's Google Analytics, it's Klaviyo, it's Zipify apps, et cetera, et cetera. So you got to build all that then you got to drive traffic to it through advertising or hire a company like yours, you know, YouTube ads, Instagram ads, Facebook ads. And so you, so, so step one, if you're going to transition off of Amazon is understand why you're doing it. Now, most people think, well, I want to transition off of Amazon so that I can stabilize my brand and I'm not, you know, as um, subject to the volatility of the Amazon marketplace. I'll get a little closer. So my, my camera stops being all funky. Um, so I'm not as, uh, you know, subject to the volatility of the Amazon marketplace so that I can have, you know, own some assets like own email addresses and own, uh, you know, audiences and have customers of my own that I can market to. And, uh, so that I can just have more stability in my business. Let me, and I would let me say, tell you, let me tell you. So on that particular point, Ezra, uh, I can give you the point that people, because I, people tell me all the time why they want to move away from Amazon. This is good feedback that uh, you might be interested in. Uh, they tell me all the time that they want to be able to build something that they can hand over to their children's, to the children one day, because they don't believe that Amazon is going to give them that. Like they don't believe that Amazon is something that they can hand over and build a brand that lands, that, that lasts for generations to come. But there's a belief that if you have your own e-commerce, uh, your own Shopify site, your own website, your own traffic source, and you control the identities, then you get to actually have something that is longevous, right? That you can build for generations to come. And that's something that I've heard people like, why? If it's working on Amazon, why not just do more of Amazon? Well, because a lot of these people wake up scared that Amazon is going to wake up on the wrong side of the bed and not like them anymore and shut them down. And like you said, Amazon is both the platform and the traffic. So if Amazon doesn't like you anymore, that's the end of your business. So there's a lot of fear with what Amazon might do in the future. And also there's a lot of desire to build something long-term. That's usually what I get. So that's flawed logic. And here's why. Your goal should not be to hold your business forever. Okay. So let me explain how wealth creation works in case some folks are in mystery about this. Wealth creation does not come from cash flow businesses. People who generate, you want, if you want generational wealth, it ain't coming from a business that kicks off cash flow every month. That's not how you get it. The way you generate wealth is by selling assets. Let me explain this the way my parents' generation did it, okay? My parents' generation, they took their 401ks when those existed, don't really have those anymore, uh, and they invested them in real estate asset. They let that asset appreciate over 10, 20, 30 years. They sold that asset for more than it was worth. They generated true wealth to pass on to their children. The way you and I generate wealth is through building businesses or buying businesses and then selling them. The money, 80% of the money you'll ever make in business is the day you sell your asset. So the reason why I tell people to expand off of Amazon is because an Amazon only business is worth 
between one and three times its profit per year. So if you have an Amazon business, makes a million dollars in revenue per year at a hundred grand profit, you can sell it tomorrow for between a hundred thousand and 300,000 liquid cash. Now that liquid cash you can use to buy more assets or build more assets that then appreciate that you then sell, right? So you, you make your wealth by selling assets, not by running cash flow businesses. And so the goal of a business should be to one day sell it five to 10 years down the line and then start the process over. So if you, if you if your goal is generational wealth and I, I understand people want to make money. So I tell them, Hey, take your Amazon business. And this is what I teach in the beyond FBA men- mentorship. All we got to do is get 10 to 20% of your revenue coming from off of Amazon. That's all we have to do. So we have to build out your technology stack, set you up on Shopify, build out all the pages of your site, optimize your sales funnel. And then we got to start driving traffic and remarketing people who uh, we're looking for you on Amazon and remarketing people who have been to your site. Because if we can get 10% of your revenue coming from your Shopify store, now when you go to sell that Amazon brand, it's worth four or five the the profit per year because you have some stability. You've shown the buyer that, hey, you can look what I did. I created an infrastructure for Shopify and there's a lot of room to grow that. You buy this from me and now you've got a platform. It shows that you've got assets that you've got a site that you've got an audience that you've got an email list and so are you hearing that baby in the background by the oh, way is that, is that your kid i got a baby got a baby screaming it's my goddaughter there's no, <laughs> no no there's no getting around that we're stuck with it so so my point is yes you should be looking to expand off of amazon for all the reasons that we talked about but you shouldn't be looking to keep your business for 30 years you should be looking to sell it when it's at its peak value which is when you've gotten it to about 75% of where it can go, where there's 25% more to go that you can see, you sell that, you get a whole big chunk of money that you can, you, $400,000 today is worth a hundred times 10 grand a month over five years. Like you can do a lot more with liquid chunks of capital than you can with the cash flow that's kicked off in a business because a business has, needs money in the bank. It's got overhead, it's got inventory, it's got staff salary. And so if you're confident in your ability to rebuild, you should be looking to sell. And private equity is the asset class that has the highest return in America of any asset class. And what private equity companies do is they go and they buy brands, they leave the management team in place, they support them in growing the business, and then they sell those brands. So that's the game I play, is building assets and selling them, buying assets and selling them. And that's how you generate true wealth. So I just wanna, for the folks who are worried about I'm not going to hand my Amazon business over to my kid. Well, you shouldn't be thinking about that anyways. You should be thinking about when am I going to sell my Amazon brand and build another one? That's the right thought process. That's a great point. That's right. I'd like to follow up a selfish question because I, I want to ask you a question uh, that I would ask you personally if you were uh, with me one-on-one. Uh, I have a brand called Natural Slim and that brand uh, has been growing since 2013 aggressively. It's something that I built concurrently with my father and wife while I was doing the Betches brand. And uh, that brand has grown from zero to one to four to six to 10 to $22 million in the United States alone uh, in 2020. My concern, what would you say to this particular concern? Uh, I have a system for scaling brands and for putting all these companies through my machine. Uh, my, if I sell that company, let's say that that company did $22 million in revenue in 2020 and we ended up profiting maybe four or five. So that means that it will be worth 
15, 20 million dollars. Why? Because we have a lot of e-commerce, we have a call center, and we have a lot of other things going on aside from Amazon. What, it might be worth more than that. It might be worth more than that, right? So my question is, why would I, why would I sell it at the growth? Like if you if you look at, we went from 12 to 22, from 10 to 22, and if I can take it to 50 million this next year, which we have a plan to get to that point, maybe we're looking at 40 right now at this space. Uh, but let's say that I get it to 40 this year. And, um, and I, I know that I can keep on going until I get it to a hundred. Why would you sell it right now when you are the only one that can get it there? Which if you take you out of the equation, Ezra, that company's not going to go like that. I think you're, yeah, I disagree. Number one, that you're the only, you, you, you don't, you're not giving credit to how many sophisticated, amazing, smart people there are out there that understand e-commerce and advertising and sales funnels and omni-channel and retail and product line and margins and infrastructure and uh, supply chain. Like you're definitely, first, the idea that you're the only one who can grow it, not true. Just blanket statement, not an accurate uh, depiction of the world. Second, right now, hold on. You, you may feel like you understand how to grow it the best and you've got the best uh, vision for it and you understand where it's going. I got a response for that. Second thing, the reason you would sell it is because, hey, maybe you make $4 million a year on it, right, in profit that you can pull out. But guess what? That $4 million in profit, well, a million of it stays in the bank to make sure the, the business has liquidity and can pay its insurance and pay for its salary and pay for its advertising. A million of it or two goes to inventory so that you've got inventory carryover. And then maybe a million of it you pay out to your pockets. Maybe you're making a million dollars a year in profit that you're paying to yourself out of this 22 million. Uh, but the risk profile is insane. Like the risk that you have is number one, if you have a down year where let's say ads go belly up or you lose your supply chain or whatever, you're fucked. Number one, number two, you've got uh, insurance product recall liability. You've got crazy liability. Just you, if you're selling the amount of product that you're selling, I understand. I do this. You've got liability, legal and otherwise. Maybe you don't recognize how much, but it's there. And FDA, is it a one in a thousand? Yeah, FDA yeah. and a lot of stuff. Yeah. Is it a one in a thousand chance? Yes. But if you get hammered, you're gonna uh, you're gonna be in a class action suit. And you're gonna have to pay a five hundred thousand dollar fine, right? Like there's you have liability. Okay. So if somebody is willing to write you a ten to twenty million dollar check in liquid cash right now for that brand, you'd be stupid not to sell it because. You have big goal because number one, you can rebuild. You have the skill set. Number two, you have big vision, big goals. You've got, you, you could, with the stroke of a pen, guarantee your family's wealth forever. You could retire. And number three, you wouldn't sell it outright. You'd sell 80% of it to a private equity firm who wants to invest in you and your team and support you as cool and smart as you are. You have blind spots. I do too. Who wants to show, who wants to support you in understanding financial analysis and forecasting on a new level, understanding supply chain and logistics on a new level, understanding international retail on a new level, understanding, you know, retail and target and, and, you know, these private equity firms, they come with skills. Right. And so basically they're, Hey, listen, we value at you at 20 million. We're going to write you a check for 17 liquid right now. Oh, and by the way, we want you, Manuel, to stay on board as the CEO and your team on board for the next five years. And we want to support you in your growth. 
We want to advise you. We want to help you do, get you into retail. We want to help you go international. We want to help you optimize your supply chain. And then in five years, once we grow it from 20 to 100, we want to sell it for 300. Oh, and by the way, you'll still own 25%. So you'll get 75 million in five years if we're successful. And you know what it takes? Trust me, I know this, to go from 40 to 100 million. It takes more skills than you personally and your team have because there's things you don't understand about that level of scale. And so uh, not that you couldn't do it and not that it's impossible. And you need more. Yeah. Not that it's not the right move for you to keep the brand. By the way, you do whatever you want. I'm telling you my take on it. It doesn't mean I'm right. You, you've got to trust your own intuition, your own sense, your inner knowing. But, but if somebody's offering me a $20 million check for a brand that I have, there's not a day in the world that I'm not taking that because it, I'm, I'm interested in guarantees and security and risk mitigation and monetization of my equity and time and energy. And so, um, I, I would, if I were you with the brand that you just talked about, oh, by the way, you make the deal with these people that you can still use it as an example for all your trainings. So you got at least a five-year runway where you can use it as an example for all your trainings. And then let's say in five years you sold it and you didn't have a brand. Well, with that kind of money, you could easily buy a new one. With the check you get day one, you could easily buy a new one and keep growing it or build a new one or use your students. Like there's no reason not to take the deal on the table if it's actually on the table. So I would probably go to a, a private uh, business broker and I can connect you to them and have them tell you what they think it's worth. Maybe uh, it doesn't make sense to do it now, but I don't think there's a scenario in the world where it doesn't make sense in the next 24 months. You gave me a brand, yeah, you gave me a brand new perspective that I hadn't uh, looked at. And in my case, I, I, it's a feeling that I want to keep it uh, because it's kind of like my baby and I've been growing with it so much. And there's been a lot of energy uh, and building this team and this team of people, which is Right now we have about 120 people in this company. We have like people all over the place in the world and the opportunity of like building a remote uh, world uh, um, that we have here going on that it's like a team that I don't want to let go. But with your um, with your viewpoint that you just gave me right now, it makes a lot of sense because I can literally multiply my team several times and then still keep a piece of the pie that I, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. Nobody wants to buy it from you and run it. They want to invest in you and your ability to scale it. The private equity business model is not to take over operations. All they're doing is bringing money and skill to the table. They're investing in entrepreneurs like you who have a vision, who have a team, and they're saying, hey, keep doing everything you're doing. Oh, and by the way, doesn't look like you understand retail. Doesn't look like you understand financial analysis and forecasting. Doesn't look like you understand international supply chain logistics. Doesn't look like you understand pick, pack, and ship. Let us come in and support you with these skills. Let us take all the risk. So you're, you're paid out. Let us pay you a $500,000 a year salary. You're covered. You get a $15 million check. You get a multi-hundred thousand dollar a year salary. You own 25% of the company. You get to keep running it. You stay in charge, but now you've got backers. It's a smart move for somebody who scales a company bootstrapped with no debt to your size. That's absolute fire. Absolute fire. I love that great viewpoint. You're not really uh, giving away your business you're letting people buy into it and helping you go to the next level. I love that, Ezra. Good stuff, Ezra. So let's talk for a few minutes now about uh, what what you see now in in the 2021 year as an opportunity for e-commerce brands utilizing Shopify. What do you see as a funnel that's working right now, all the changes that uh, we've been talking about recently, iOS changes with like the iOS 14 and uh, uh, these funnels that we have going on? Let me just let me just do the devil's advocate side of it. 
So just real quick, the reason you wouldn't take money is number one, you're financially secure from other ventures. So if this thing melted down and you lost all the income from it, you'd still be able to be just fine and live your same lifestyle and still put away for savings and support your family. So you're not financially reliant upon it, number one. Number two, you don't actually need any support in order to continue to scale. You feel you feel, you feel feel like, hey, I'm financially secure. If I lose this income and this profit, doesn't matter. I got other stuff. I can, I can risk it. I can, I can gamble on this. Number two, you have a clear vision and roadmap for continuing to scale. You don't really want to give up any control. You don't want to give up any equity. You don't need any help. And number three, you feel like the freedom of, because what happens when you bring somebody on, I've done this in several companies is they put, they, they, you now you don't answer to them, but you report to them everything that you're doing. You get feedback. You take advice. You you get you have a board now. You have to document. You have to be transparent about everything that's going on. You got to explain your decision making. So, but it forces you to grow because now you're looking at it through a new set of eyes. So, number one, if you if the risk of running the company is something you're palatable with, i.e., you could confront the idea that it could all melt down because you and I know both both know in business anything can fail for any number of reasons outside of your control. And number two, you don't need help to continue to scale it. Okay, fine. But at some point with a, a brand that size, the amount of money that's on the table there, you might want to consider taking. All right, now strategies and tactics, uh, iOS 2014, iOS 14, 2021. <laughs> uh, what's the yeah, we're talking about that. Anyway, that, those are good points. I like the devil's advocate side of things just to wrap up that conversation. So yeah, we've been talking about iOS 14 changes. Uh, I had a conversation with, uh, with a Facebook rep. He's a really good guy. I spent uh, a couple of hours with him last Friday talking about the changes and uh, his advice. I want to hear your take on it. He said, I would do everything in my power. I would absolutely avoid um, targeting people with iOS 14. And we went over that uh, right now uh, because uh, if you go to the Facebook business manager at the ad set level and you click on edit placements and you go at the end of the placements, you can select more and you have the option of targeting only Android users and you have the option to tar of targeting only iOS users that are utilizing softwares 2 to 13, meaning that you would exclude anybody that has iOS 14. So that's something that he recommended. Uh, he said to test out different audiences that are not going to include that and just maybe do a campaign budget optimization ad set that uh, a campaign that doesn't have iOS 14 uh, mixed in with everybody else. That way you can start getting ready for these changes. So I want to hear, he he told me that we underestimate that in the United States, there's a lot of people that have not upgraded past iOS 10 or 11 or 12, and they're not going to have iOS 14, so they're not going to be affected by it. So I want to hear your thoughts on how is this going to change our, our process right now? And how do you think it's going to affect our e-commerce strategies and everything that you've heard on your side? Hey, listen, you know, it's going to make retargeting a little bit more um, unstable and harder to track. And it's going to make your top of funnel advertising a little bit harder to track in that Facebook can't report back, you know, clean revenue data and clean CPA data. So you're going to have to start doing, you know, you're going to have to start looking at the numbers a little bit differently and checking money in, money out, right? So, so how much you spent on ads, what Facebook says the performance of the ads are, because Facebook will tell, still be able to tell you ranked. What are your best performing ads? It just won't have clean data. So yeah, hey, one idea is exclude iOS 14 
get clean data for those campaigns and then have an ad set and a campaign that doesn't have clean data. That's sure one way to do it. That's not how we're doing it. We're still running. We've noticed in the last couple of days, our reporting is off. So we've got a new baseline for metrics. So basically whatever this new baseline is, that's now what we use to judge our success and we check it against revenue. I don't think it's really a big deal, frankly. I think that um, that what's going to win in the marketplace is the best creative and the best sales funnel. And so whether or not you can track down to an ad level, the, I mean, you still can. You just don't have clean revenue in the Facebook dashboard anymore. You can still see which ones are better than the others. That's all you need to know. And it's actually kind of cool because it makes it even more the case that the people with the best creative and the best funnels are going to rise to the top. So I don't mind it so much. I think it's annoying that Facebook and Apple are fighting and it means that we have less good data, but I've lived through this. You know, in the Google AdWords days, Google, and in the search engine optimization days, Google used to report to you all the keyword data. And then one day they took that away. And that seemed like a really big deal at the time. And it seemed like SEO was going to be ruined forever. And AdWords was going to be ruined forever because we lost all this data. But guess what? Here we are six years later and it's just fine. So it's like, this is par for the course in advertising. Shit changes. We all navigate it together. We figure out the best way to move forward. I'm not overly concerned about it myself. Okay, good. All right, good. So Ezra, I know that we, we can keep talking about um, our world for many, many hours. I know you're busy. I want to value your time. Uh, I know that uh, you have smart, smart training on Smart Marketer for anybody that wants to do training on e-commerce. Uh, we could talk about this subject for 10 hours and I don't want to get started on that particular world. But what would you say was the easiest place for them to start and get some basic training and how can they get going? I, I do talk about it a lot. In my case, I am more training people that are on my community that are already established. They, they just looking for strategies to scale, get lead generation, build some like sequences and things like that. So I'm, I'm more like in the people that are already ready to run. Um, they're already rolling. You, I know you teach from the ground up. So how can somebody get started if they want to start building their own e-commerce, uh, with your training? So, um, I don't actually teach people how to start businesses. Um, I also only have training for folks who already have brands. Um, I do business education, not business opportunity. Now, I do have a training called Train My Traffic Person, which can start you from zero and teach you how to become an e-commerce media buyer or a media buyer for any brand online where you know how to architect sales funnels, how to create avatars, how to build audiences, how to set up campaigns, how to optimize campaigns. So it teaches you how to run advertising for brands, which I think is the most important skill set that a person could have who wants to get into this industry, whether they want their own brand or not. And if you go to smartmarketer.com, and you go to courses, you'll see an opt-in where you can get our free training that leads you to that course. So that's a really good one. If you have an e-commerce brand and it's on Shopify, or if you've got an Amazon brand and you want to move it over to Shopify, you can go to Zipify, Z-I-P-I-F-Y.com, or you can go to the app store and type in Zipify and get my applications that support you in that. I also have a free training on how to transition from Amazon to Shopify, uh, which if you email uh, help at zipify.com and say, Hey, I want Ezra's Amazon training on how to get onto Shopify. I can send you that. So, so smart market. So, just, you know, follow me on Instagram at Ezra Firestone. That's where the party's at. And then go to smartmarketer.com for courses on how to do better copywriting, how to run Facebook ads, how to architect sales funnels, how to optimize and grow a team. And go to zipify.com uh, for training on how to um, more successfully optimize your Shopify store. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's spend a couple of minutes, guys, talking about uh, Zipify, all right? Because we're about to wrap up. And I, I wanted to spend uh, some time talking about that uh, the app. Uh, it, it was a, 
a game changer for us. Uh, once we integrated it, I can tell you a little bit about um, our story. We, you know, ClickFunnels obviously developed their own process for uh, upselling, cross-selling, and downselling. And Shopify always had that limitation that you couldn't really get that thing to work. Uh, once you came into uh, into the party and you gave us that that option, we just went really deep with it. Uh, Zipify does allow you guys to build that upsell, cross-sell, downsell. Uh, it's it, it was a game changer. We went heavy and we went deep on it about a year and a half ago. And just this, uh, um, Steve, can you give me that one? Just about um, um, a few, a couple of months, Ezra and his team they send us this thing right here. The which champ is here. I got champ two. is here. Give me the other one. I got two of them actually. All right. Let's so, go, champ. So yeah. this thing, guys, this thing, all right, is something that you can win uh, with Ezra's uh, Zipify app. It's called the Million Merchant, Million Dollar Merchant, and uh, uh, it, it's been an amazing app. I can tell you that, Ezra. I know that people don't understand yet the power of the platform and the power of the app, but it, it's been a game changing life-changing app for us uh we have on average increased our order value by anywhere from 10 to 15 percent and that that's a big amount of money uh and and i know we can keep on doing even a better job with it so imagine how your profit goes um dramatically higher if you guys don't know what that is um i'll let ezra if you have a, a two more two more minutes talk about what the app is uh ezra i know i know we're already at our hour mark but i want you to explain uh in better words what zipify is all about and what it can do because i'm about to test out the text messaging that you're uh, uh right now you have in beta but i know i know zipify can do a million things so why don't you tell us in a nutshell how zipify can make shopify more powerful so Zipify, I have three apps. The first is a landing page builder. And what it does is it gives you the ability to build out your entire store, your home page, your product pages, your collection page, your more information pages about us, contact us, privacy policy, your opt-in pages, your social contest pages, your pre-sell articles. Any page that you're using in marketing, you can build on Zipify and you can use our templates that we're running in our own eight-figure brand that are mobile optimized, that have versions optimized for tablet and desktop that have all the right conversion assets on them. So just gives you a way to really build uh, a sales funnel that's going to convert. That's Zipify Pages. Which was my one favorite one. That's the one that I we went really heavy at and that we love. And you go crazy building all these funnels. And if somebody buys this cream, let's offer this product. And if somebody buys that product, offer them a second product or a third bottle. Uh, all those things could be done with Zipify. So we went really crazy with that one right there. Go on. Yeah, that's a fun. And then one click upsell gives you the ability to increase your average order value by offering post-purchase one-click upsells in a funnel. So basically someone buys something, most people take them to the thank you page. We say, hey, wait, click this one button to add this item to your order. If they say yes, hey, thanks for saying yes to that. Why don't you get this one more at a discount? Or if they say no, hey, okay, fine. What about this other one? So you can do a funnel post-purchase and with the click of one button, they can add items onto their order. Now, we also now have pop-ups on the cart that allow you to do pre-purchase upsells in the cart. We've got pop-ups come, and now we're about to roll out. When in the cart, they click, you know, add to item. We can say, "Hey, replace." You just bought this item, or you're adding this item to your cart, but it's included in this bundle. Do you want to replace the item in your cart with a bundle and save, or do you want to add this additional item to your cart? Uh, so we've got a bunch of features pre-purchased. We've got more stuff rolling out. We've got the Amazon style that's about to come, where they've got like three items checked. 
for the bundle and they can uncheck one or two. We got some really fun stuff coming pre-purchase and we've got thank you page offers coming as well, where we, you know, you do your pre-purchase in cart upsell, you do your, um, post-purchase one-click upsell funnel. And then on the thank you page, you can offer something else. So it's a really powerful, easy to use app. Uh, it just went native to Shopify. We've got PayPal coming. We've got shop pay coming. We've got Apple pay coming in the coming months. So we've got a lot of fun stuff with that. And then the app we're about to launch is called connect K I N N E K T like kin family and connect. Like I'm connecting with you. Um, and it's an SMS app and it allows you to do, you know, card abandonment post-purchase funnels, uh, pop-ups on site that then text message the user a discount manual broadcast, like everything you could do in Clavio and more, but through SMS text messaging. So we're pretty excited about that. We think it's really powerful. You're going to beta test it here in the next week or two. Give us some feedback on it. We really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, that's Zipify. You know, yeah. it's, it's basically like everything that I do for my store, I open source for other brands. Love it. Which, which I would like to say that text messaging is one of the 2021 big time opportunities out there for you to connect with these people. I love the name, by the way. It's really, really, uh, it does communicate uh, what it's trying to do, right? Uh, one thing that I'll say about the post purchase guys, uh, any of you, any of you guys that are missing out on that opportunity. First of all, Zipify is the most simple app and the most important app on, on Shopify that you're ever going to have. Very simple to do. And Ezra, would you agree that post purchase is the most valuable, warmest moment on an entire customer journey in which you already have that customer's credit card information, address information, all of it, that all they have to do is click on it. If you don't take advantage of that opportunity right there, your next best is retargeting on email or on social media all over the place. But uh, what would you say? In my opinion, that's the way that I describe it. That post-purchase is the single most valuable moment on an entire customer journey. What would you say to that? No question. It's the easiest way to um, increase your average order value. I mean, it just is easy. So, so yeah, hundred percent. Right. When somebody gave you already their credit card information, that's uh it's the perfect moment right there, right? Okay, Ezra, thank you so much. Uh, if somebody wants to download the Zipify app, it's as simple as uh, go into the Shopify app store or you go to Zipify.com, right? Yeah, go to apps.shopify.com and you'll see us in there. Right. Okay, good. So Ezra, anybody wants to fire you? Uh, uh, anybody wants to fire Ezra? No, I mean, uh, follow you. <laughs> uh, I know that I've been following you on Clubhouse. Ezra Firestone over there. I know that... Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Clubhouse is an iOS only app right now, which is kind of like a um, conference on steroids over podcasts. Uh, it's really cool stuff. Uh, I know you're on Instagram, any place else where they should connect with you if they want to keep on following your journey. Uh, I think Instagram's the spot. Um, just uh, ping me on Instagram, follow me over there. I'm on Twitter if you're there. I'm on Facebook. Uh, but I would say, hey, listen, follow Manuel Suarez first, then come follow me. Uh, super excited to be on your show, man. Thank you so much. I hope we get to do more stuff in the future. Thank you for, for using my apps and, and inviting me. And I look forward to uh, continuing to collaborate and, and build our, um, build our relationship in the work world and uh, otherwise. Absolutely. Ezra, thank you for being here, man. I appreciate it very much. And I will see you soon, probably on Clubhouse at some point. By the way, real, real quick, where are you from? What's your, um, originally what, Puerto uh, Rico, uh, born and raised in Puerto okay. Rico. I lived in, uh, Clearwater, Florida for the last, uh, since 2006. Uh, so I, my, my, all my kids were born here in Clearwater. I got four kids right now. Amen. Yeah. And where is, where is Clearwater in Florida? Clearwater is where? in Tampa Bay area. Uh, it's on, it's on upper west, 
uh, of uh, Florida. It's uh, uh, golf on the golf side. So I'm doing a Blue Ribbon Mastermind in Miami in May. Um, you want to come as a speaker? I would love to, man. I'm in. Count on me. All right. Yeah, it would be fun to hang out. So uh, I'll have Christina get in touch with you. Um, you'll probably be one of the only outside speakers because we're doing, uh, you know, we're shutting it down for COVID. It's going to be a smaller event. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll uh, have Christina reach out. I definitely want to be a part of your mastermind for sure, man. So if I can be invited as a speaker, I uh, would love to provide some value to you guys. And so campus look at your background you got a whole people back there clapping their hands and shit yeah that's my website actually it's agmagency.com that's what is what it is okay. right that's uh um, okay. that was i thought you just had a crowd cheering for you <laughs> yeah so no uh, i would love to ezra i definitely want to connect with more people that are killing it out there and if i can just give a little bit of my side you know that i'm really deep with many chat i do a lot of e-commerce so anything that you want me to uh, help your audience and provide some value i'm game 100 man Cool, man. We'll talk. I appreciate it. I got to jump. This was fun. Thank you. And uh, talk soon. All right. Talk to you soon, man. Hey guys, it's Jimmy again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Facebook Marketing Ninja podcast. If you want to learn more advanced ninja tactics to grow your business and master social media marketing, then sign up for the Manuel Suarez coaching program by heading over to our website, www.agmninjalab.com. That's www.agmninjalab.com. 